0: Hey, hey, how's it going? All right, we are, we are in New York and uh, guitarless, so this is going to be a very dry episode. Um, I'm on the farm, Casco Mountains in upstate New York, visiting my family, visiting the folks. It was just at the gal's family, and we're going to be back there in a few days for Thanksgiving. Uh, happy Thanksgiving, by the way. Um, and also apologies that the episode is a day late. Um, things have been really interesting, uh, really beautiful, a little emotional. I, I think I'm slightly melodramatic. Um, I think I seek meaning out in what is mu- like I must be just mundane, normal experiences for most people. And I take them seriously to probably detriment, uh, probably to a fault. But, but it does make things more interesting. It does make things more fun. But um, I miss home. I miss Nashville, uh, which is an interesting feeling. Um, we drove here in one day. We did it 14 hours. It took 15, but the drive was about 13 and a half hours. Hit some traffic in Virginia, in you know, the Shenandoah Valley area. Um, it was real pretty. Sun was going down, but there's an accident. Um, it was one of those like, God, this sucks. And then you're like, oh wait, it probably sucks more for the people in the accident. Um, but one of those, you know, very human experiences where you're, you have anxiety or whatever, and then you have this like wisdom that sort of overcomes, you know, it, it comes over you and still you're like, yeah, God, I know you're right, but, but still, you know, this sucks for me. I was one of those like, it doesn't matter. It's just adding a half hour to, you know, just being in a freaking car. In a in a driving car. This ain't no horse and buggy, baby. This is the modern age. Um, I've never done that in one day. The the only time I've driven for 14 hours straight was to Montana with the old man, but he did most of the driving and he was it was kind of his trip. Um and, you know, I was just stuck in the truck, barreling down. Uh, highway, Um, you know, but I, I did not handle most of the driving in that case. This case I did. We stopped in Harrisonburg, Virginia, went to Jack Brown's, which I, I only know Jack Brown's as a burger joint in Nashville that's open late. I had no idea it was like a proper chain. But uh, we went into Harrisonburg through historic Harrisonburg, Virginia, and got some burgers. It's one of those, like, um, we called them in pre- earlier, and... And, and you know, when we got there, like ten minutes before, we ordered the burgers. Fifteen minutes before, and when we got there, they're like, "Oh yeah, you can't eat them here for like some ridiculous bullshit, like local or state law." But it was one of those. I'm like, "No, we actually said it was for here." And they're like, "All right," and they just gave us real attitude. Didn't know they were kind of awful. Freaking, come on! But but here's the redeeming. Ready? Um, right outside the parking lot. By the way, it's cold. It's dark. We've been driving for, you know, 10 hours. There's a, uh, there's, it's called, I think, Branches. Branches, there's an ice cream truck outside in the parking lot. The dark parking lot's a very big parking lot. There's an ice cream truck. There's a really cute elderly couple, not elderly, but um, upper middle-aged, you know, some white hairs. Beautiful smiles on these people. They're on this truck, and there's just, you know, a couple of stragglers, some strangers, lining up for soft served ice cream cones, milkshakes, sundaes, banana splits, the whole deal. And it, it almost felt like a mirage or like an oasis. It was crazy. So we leave the burger experience, which, you know, was okay. Kate's burger was really good. Mine was kind of just really just burnt to shit. And... It's fun. I rarely shit talk food places, so it's kind of fun. Um, and we come out, and Kate waits out in the dark for a milkshake because I've been doing a little. She did a lot of the driving, but I did a little bit more. So you know, it's just really sweet. She offered to get me, buy me a milkshake. I'm not gonna say no. If someone offers to buy you a milkshake, by the way, you're a sociopath if you say no. So of course, I I graciously accepted, and she's waiting out there in the cold. I'm in the car. I have a picture of her just waiting out in the cold next to this truck that's lit up, surrounded by darkness. And uh, we got a milkshake, put, put that puppy right in the cup holder, put the car into drive, and kept going. Uh, arrived, at, uh, arrived on Staten Island at 12.30 Eastern, 11.30 Central Time. And I was pretty exhausted, you know, driving 14, fit, being in a car for 15 hours, basically, give or take. Um, got some Doritos, some, uh, spicy chili Doritos helped me through that last part. We kind of, we started off eating pretty healthy, but you know, by the end it was just <laughs> milkshakes and Doritos <laughs> getting us in the home stretch, uh, back to New York. Um, as beautiful we're put we're, we're driving across outer borough bridge or outer Nome bridge, whatever it's called. Um, onto Staten Island. It's sort of like a, it's a pretty little side bridge from S- New Jersey to Staten Island. Um, not the Verrazano or the Gothels, which are the more well-known, you know, sort of more modern-looking bridges. And then, um, Home for Christmas is playing on the radio. Not I'll Be Home for Christmas, but, like, um, we're home for the holidays. Uh, it was really pretty, and name checks, you know, found a, met a boy in Tennessee, and the whole deal was just one of those little moments where things kind of, the stars semi-align. And, um, it was really beautiful. Got there, um you know, settled in, and what's been really interesting about this trip is, um, you know, coordinating coordinating with friends, uh, you know, is always tricky, especially around the holidays, but we did get to see a couple of friends, but, you know, most of the friends we wanted to see or, you know, it's just we're too busy or they're too busy or whatever, um, but, you know, what's more easy and reliable than friends is is restaurants, and we kind of have a, a short list of restaurants that we really wanted to hit in on Staten Island, and then in Rockland County, and uh, right now, right now, we're in the Catskills in Upstate New York, and maybe in New Paltz if we have time. Um, and the the number one uh food joint on our list was this place called um, Mizumi's, which is a Japanese ramen joint on Staten Island. And it's run by this really cute lady. She's got to be, um, I'd say she's a, you know, uh, maybe 40 years old. Looks really good for her age. Um, Japanese woman. Very, very sweet. Very, um, um yeah, I, we, we've come to sort of love this woman over the years because a few years ago we had ramen there and it was good. And then we went back again. And we tried their sushi, and it was really good. And we went back again, and we tried their sushi burrito. And we absolutely fell in love with these things. These sushi burritos are sort of a Manhattan-influenced, you know, Japanese-Asian fusion uh, food item, but she makes it just... It's, it's, it's essentially a big sushi, but there's scrambled egg in there. There's nothing else like it. it there's a sweet, tangy sauce, and you're eating the raw fish, a little bit of avocado... Um, and it's, it's just a magical food item and, you know, I'm not going to sit here and pretend it's this like ancient, uh, traditional dish. It isn't, it's very much a product of, uh, Japanese, inf- J- Japanese cuisine being influenced by everybody else in New York city. Um, we've, we've fallen in love with this item. It's just incredible. So we go, we've been going for, you know, a bunch of years now getting sushi beers. And the the thing is, is, you know, um, this woman. So we we walk in and she looks at us. She looks at us and her her face lights up. You know the way one would when you recognize someone. And she goes, "Long time no see." And she asks us how we've been. And she remembers our food order. We haven't been here in a year. We've not been there in a year. Um, well, maybe, oh, maybe a little bit less than a year. Uh, we haven't been there in about eight months. You know. Um, it was just a beautiful experience and we order our food and she comes and she brings out edamame edamame on the house. She just, you know, looks at us and it's on the house and, but what's interesting is this wasn't the last sort of food item on the house on this trip where we're going to these little restaurants that we absolutely adore and we're just happy to be there. And the people there remember us and remember our food order. And bring us something on the house. This happened today. We, we're in Tuckery, America, and suffer in New York. And we walk in, and I see my favorite lady there, and I give her a big hug. <laughs> and she asks us how we've been. And, you know, we sort of exchange niceties. There's a language barrier. But, you know, she asks me if everything's okay, and I say yes, and ask her if she's doing okay. And, you know, I look in her eyes, and she says she says Yes. And, um, we get, we get a, a chicken torta and a steak torta, but we get a chicken torta there sort of, we use the, we, they, they sometimes do a fried chicken torta. We do just the chicken. That's like the same pollo from the tacos. She remembered, I started explaining Kate's order and she she's like, yeah, I got it. She remembered it. Kate, we had, Kate's not been there in again, minimum of eight months, probably a year. Now these are busy places. These are places that have stayed in business. Um, and then she comes out and she, I, she knows, she remembers, I love the tongue tacos there. I love the lengua tacos. She brings out two lengua tacos. She just brings them out. She's like, this is on the house. And what I, wh- you know, what's been confirmed by these experiences. Also, we went to a cafe and got free coffee. <laughs> this is crazy. It's really it's surreal. Um, you know, the love. And appreciation that you put into your local restaurant. Uh, especially if it's maybe a little bit of a smaller one. If you let them know how how happy their food makes you. They will fucking remember you. They will remember what you get. And they will be happy to see you. And you know. <laughs> it's kind of sad because. You know I could call up a friend that I miss. You know miss my buddy Lauren. Um, I'll just call her up. And she'd come visit. You can't call up a restaurant. You can't you can't be like, Hey guys, I miss you. You can't do that. So in in some weird ways, you know, I miss the hikes in New York more than I miss some of the people. Um, and I miss these restaurants, you know, so deeply. And when I come, there's always this, you know, this this longing and, and it's like embracing an old friend, but it's through through the sensory experience of food. You know, it's just that it's through, it's through your mouth and, and, uh, you know, food that, that you're relying on a certain amount of consistency, but you also know that you've been building, building it up for a while and how good it's been. You're like, let me see if it's really that good. And it's incredible. You know, um, there's this almost surreal, surrealist experience and, and, oh my God, went into a cafe that I used to frequent. Threefold Cafe, played gigs there, used to work, That was barista there for a little bit, and I'm friends with everybody, all the staff, the owners, the managers, and just the clientele. You know, I walk in, K and I are meeting up with, with my buddy that I mentioned a minute ago, uh, at Threefolds, we've all, you know, eaten there before, we all like it, we all, it's like a local frequent joint that we love, that we'd frequent, and, you know, I see the owner, or the boss, the guy who runs it, and I give him a big hug. Then I see an older gentleman, gentleman, William, and he's got a new sweater that he gets from Ireland. he goes to Ireland every year and he gets a new sweater. And then he wears it through the winter and it wear he, he wears it all the time and it wears out. And then he goes back to Ireland every year and he gets a new sweater. And he starts joking. He's like, yeah, now you could just get them on Amazon. I don't even have to go anymore. But, uh, you know, he's exactly, he's right where right where you'd expect him to be. And so I'm overwhelmed by all these people. And I see kind of the local sort of mayor or town supervisor and, you know, he looks at me, I, I could tell he doesn't really remember my name maybe, but he kind of does, you know, and, but we, we, we chit chat and we sort of catch up. Where are you? You know, have you been around, you know, um, and Corey's there and the whole deal is just lovely. It's just beautiful. And, um, we just, we go crazy and we order a bunch of pay. I go crazy. Um, order a bunch of their pastries and coffee. Coffee's on the house, that's so sweet. And um, you know, uh, get a bunch then we get so you know, we're hanging out, we're eating and drinking and the whole deal. Um, conversations following. So we're like, we should get some bone broth. We're talking about health and we're talking about health food and all kinds of natural stuff and kosher and grass fed, organic, the whole deal. Um, so we're like, we should get bone broth. They have bone broth. And so we order a couple of mugs of bone broth. Sipping bone broth, I buy a book of photography that I reference a lot in my thoughts of places because I've, you know, I I love people that love where they live, or or love where they're from, and where they're from or where they live is not this like super famous or super extreme place, but they've found the nuanced beauty and they find ways to celebrate it. So there's this photographer, and uh, the book is in the car. Um, I don't know his name, but he, he just took pictures all over Harriman State Park and Harriman State Park has got to be, you know, a few thousand acres and, you know, it's not on any top 10 list or anything, but it's a park that I've fell in love with and I'm grateful existed. And I love the idea of you live in this area and this is your, this is your Grand Canyon. This is your Niagara Falls. This is your Mount of Pichu. This is everything. This is it. And, and the intimacy that you develop with the landscape, with the various trails, and the different little landmarks, and the cliffs, and the boulders, and the megaliths, and the outlooks, and the views, the vistas, the little little mini canyons, and little valleys, and ponds, and lakes, and streams, swamps, islands, you just develop such a deep intimacy with the landscape, and to do that first and foremost but then you know to photograph it and put a book together look how beautiful my little local state park is now there are smaller local state parks you know it's not crazy to celebrate this place but it's certainly not on any top lists well it's the top list of you know maybe one of the top it's on the top of like places to hike outside of new york city but you know that's about it so i bought this book um Because I've thought about this book a lot. You know, I love that idea of, you know, do I want to be the person that runs all around the world, you know, seeing the coolest things, seeing the most famous places, or do I want to be someone who's just kind of local and just appreciates the heck out of like your local little state forest or, you know, just having a super, super intimate, you know, going to the same place throughout the seasons, seeing it in the fall, throughout the winter, watching the weather change and the leaves, you know come back and just seeing it in sunset and sunrise and thunderstorms on a cloudy cold day on a foggy summer morning I mean just seeing it you know in all its different faces just the same place that's so beautiful and in some ways I almost want that in a way somebody wants something they can't have um, you know because I, I, I know that I'm hungry to visit all the far corners of the earth as well and I know that in some ways I won't have that, but in some ways I'm determined to cultivate a relationship like that, whether it is, you know, a place I've been, you know, from my past, but, you know, m- more likely a place of the future, a place I will, you know, settle down someday. Um, and in many ways I feel grateful to be doing that in Nashville, Tennessee right now, you know, just learning the local little state parks and um, this Bells Bend area I've told you about, Bells Bend I mean, I can't wait to see it in the winter. You know, I've only seen it towards the end of the summer and I've seen it in fall a little bit. I, I can't wait to just, you know, develop more and more of an intimate relationship with that, just that plot of land, those, those, you know, 10 or 20 square acres. And, you know, so. I, uh, I love, I love that. So I'm, I can't wait to just have this book and, you know, reference it and look through it and try to figure out, oh, I've been there actually I've been on that hike. Oh, that's not, but that's, that borders this other hike I did, you know? Um, so that's where we are and it's, it's just been, it's been cool. So we got Thanksgiving. I'm excited for that. Um, I'm on the farm. We, we went straight to a different farm where my dad was helping one of the farmers milk, and it's so cool seeing you know another farm because they they operate very differently and you know got to talk to the farmer and he was asking me all about what life is like in Nashville and you know gunning for me to have a big hit and the whole deal is really cute um is cute because I liked him so much he, he got a you know he asked his son to take a picture of us you know just in case I get famous <laughs> I'm like I I'd like a picture with you anyway you're a cool guy um that a belted Galloway which by the way if you if you're a you know, half the cow enthusiast I am, belted Galloways are just ridiculously cool. They're black and then a big white belt around their belly. Just absolutely beautiful cows. There's one of them, and they had all kinds of cows that I just loved. And it's one of those farms, a lot of history. Um, this this man grew up, uh, Pete, I think his name is, and he, he grew up right down the road and married the girl up the street and and inherited her farm, you know, her her parents' farm, and and that's <laughs> that's where they are now. Um, his son was there, his little, and then the grandson was there, little Carhartt overalls, absolutely adorable. And, and I remember I would do similar stuff as a kid is like, you know, the, the little kid's dad, the farmer that I mentioned, his son picked him up and had him, you know, press the button that opens the gate. So all the cows come out, you know, so there's this like three year old or whatever, just feeling super powerful. Like I did that, you know, such a cool feeling to give a kid. I had that with the sheep dog whenever we'd take it out into the field, and I would whisper in its ear, "Way to me," and she'd run across the field, gather all the sheep, and I'm like, "I did that." Um. <laughs> so anyway, it's been cool, man. Um. There's some some there song progress is happening, but it's it's sort of on hold. But uh, I told you guys the next single is gonna be "Girl from Novar," which um has just been a blast i've been like playing it with friends and like friends here really love it and friends in nashville so uh i'm really excited to get that out but um been watching the show um been watching this show called ancient apocalypse been watching it on on, on netflix that uh i highly recommend the show it's it's sort of like um It's this guy, Graham Hancock, who wrote a fascinating book in 1995 called Fingerprints of the Gods. Uh, Basically based on his uh, theory, um, maybe hypothesis, I don't know, I'm not educated enough to really know the difference between a theory and hypothesis, but ultimately that we are a species with amnesia and we have forgotten there are lost, advanced civilizations in our past that built all the um, megaliths that some of us are very familiar with, like the pyramids, um, and some that are still being discovered like a Bekli Tepe in Turkey, which is, um, 11,800 years old, far, far earlier than we thought, you know, humans were capable of that kind of thing, you know, hunter gatherer societies that were building, you know, just fascinating structures with art and 30 ton bricks and the whole deal. Graham Hancock was shunned uh, and shamed and ridiculed by the archaeological community because he was going against the orthodoxy. He was going against what everybody decided, you know, you know, took as fact, which is human beings entered through the land bearing straight around, you know, six thousand years ago into the Americas and you know, the whole deal. Um, but he's, you know, uh, sort of questioned a lot of these things that we've taken for granted. And over the years, since he started, you know, writing books and, you know, taking all this flack, you know, more and more of like his theories are being proven to be true. You know, with the Younger Dryas period and Gebekli Tepe being discovered as an archaeological site, which is far earlier than we, you know, again, than the archaeological community considered it possible for human beings to have created such giant, you know, impressive megaliths. You know, megalists that were, could not have been, you know, that have all kinds of astronomical lineups that are true north and pointing to the summer solstice and directly align with various positions of stars in the sky. These are advanced, um, astrologically aware, um, uh, you know, societies that, you know, we're not just a simple hunter-gatherer people. Um, so it's really fascinating. It's interesting because, like, the style of the show, of ancient apocalypse, is almost like a very... Um, It's almost like an alien, you feel like you're watching like a conspiracy theory alien show or something where it's almost like, oh, that's kind of funny, you know, or that's a bit of a stretch, but the content is really, really fascinating. And at the very least, um, I'd encourage you to watch it, not to sort of take everything he says as fact, but to be curious and inspired by just how wondrous and wild our past is. And what our ancestors, you know, have certainly dealt with and what they may have dealt with, you know, asteroids hitting the earth and just absolutely wiping out um, whole species, whole societies. And, you know, what's fascinating is um, he goes through, he deals a lot with the whole, you know, the deluge, the flood, the great flood and how, you know, most likely that was after the Younger giants period, you know, uh, after the towards the end of the last ice age you know where where the, the earth was hit by an asteroid and the, and the ice melted which created great flooding you know across the world and that's why all these different cultures and societies that had nothing to do with each other all share common myths about a great flood and how there's you know the people were bad and you know god rained down from the sky and and then and then there's always like one man in a fucking boat that you know, comes and saves us and, and according to this guy Graham Hancock his idea is that there was these advanced societies that you know were mostly wiped out by asteroid hits towards the end of the last ice age and there'd be a few survivors that would show up to hunter-gatherer societies who are by the way better equipped to survive such great um, catastrophes because they were more intimate with their primal roots so they could survive better you know um they didn't live in like cities They were just a, a harder target they're in the mountains and you know they could survive all kinds of crazy shit so you know the, somebody would ultimately show up from these advanced society a survivor and teach them how to do agriculture and how to read the stars and you know how to be a little bit more of like a, a civilization um you know a society you know, as we know it you know in, in some ways today so it's wild. I mean, just talking about this myth and that myth and this mythology and just showing all the connections. And it's fucking amazing. Um, and the last little anecdote I'll share from this is like there's all these maps that are the oldest maps we have. The oldest surviving maps, I should say, that we have are from the 14, 1500s, I believe. And a lot of these maps were, and they're explicitly, like they will even be writing that describes that these maps are based on both a uh, current day, you know, during the 1500s, 14th century, current day explorers, as well as older maps, older source maps, you know, that we no longer know what those maps were. So there's a mixture, and some of them will clearly. It's like these are based on 20 older source maps. It's a combination, and they would sort of fuse everything, all this different information they would get from current-day navigators plus all these old maps that they had. Um, and what's what's fascinating is Antarctica shows up on these maps when we didn't really discover Antarctica to like the 1800 17 or 1800s, but Antarctica is on a map from the 14 or 1500s. How the hell did that happen? Then you have the Bahamas show up as a larger single island as opposed to what they would have been at the time, which is a splinter of many islands. Um, different parts of the world appear as they appeared during the last ice age 11,800 years ago. So, you know, perhaps, maybe, <laughs> this, is, this is clearly way above my pay grade, but it's really fun. Um... You know there was there were seafaring Noah. By the way, you know there were advanced civilizations that were seafaring that were exploring the globe far earlier than we can ever than we than we assumed. You know than we what we've considered to be um, you know truth or knowledge, and they were, you know, they were mapping out the world during the during the last ice age. And these maps from the 1500s were sort, you know, they were using these older source maps that were based on those maps. So they did know about Antarctica back then we have forgotten, you know, just this, And at the core, at the core of this whole thing, at the core of this whole thing for me is one, it's just really fun to think about and just be, you know, I'm learning all kinds of shit, right? Like I don't know anything. What, what's really, uh, but, but I think at the core is this idea that we are somehow not, we are not at the pinnacle of a great society. We are not like, it's not been this just singular line going from like, you know, uh, very simple hunter gatherers and getting slowly more and more and more advanced. But in fact, it's this unlinear or dislinear uh, pattern where societies grow and grow and grow and they get advanced and they collapse and maybe only, you know, only a few of them survive and kind of starts from scratch again and goes in a different direction. And, you know, God knows how many times this has happened. And just, I was talking about this with my dad and he, he started, you know, quoting different Jewish mythologies that sort of, um, you know, uh, reference similar things of, you know, that this is what happens and size becomes so great and then they implode and the pattern starts over. So, you know, it's just really fascinating thing, and I, ultimately you, you gain a sense of humility that there were, there were these brilliant, great societies then, and maybe we've lost some things, which I think is a good way of living, so I don't know the most. You know, we aren't the most modern human beings. We have lost some things, and there are things that our ancestors knew that we don't, and if you know that, you, I think, approach life with a lot more humility. Um, so it's interesting to sort of, to sort of ponder and uh, it's a really fun show. It's got like very suspenseful music and but he's a uh, he's a good at this Graham Hancock. I I like him. It's it's almost irrelevant. You don't watch it with uh with sort of this like, you know, very critical is this true or not true. Just watch it to learn first of all just facts about, you know, the things that he's describing that are facts and then also be curious about you know his theories or how those theories make you feel what arises in you you know um whether it's true or not that's really not the point and it's you know it's not his point it's but you know don't don't get scared or anything it's uh i don't even care it's irrelevant you know it's just about you know what is this elicit in you how does this make you feel about our past and what do you you know what does it feel like to be a human being you know that's all it is um So here we are in the Catskill Mountains in upstate New York. I'm on the farm. Um, You know, my clothes currently smell like cow shit, and uh, it's pretty nice. Um, And, uh, yeah, it's going to be a fun next few days. I have a bunch of really cool gigs coming up in—oh, by the way! By the way, I'm playing the listening room in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. If you know anybody in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee, it's a beautiful, beautiful place. So I'm playing the listening room there, which is really exciting um and December let's see November 29th I'm playing the basement here in, uh well not in the Caskills but in Nashville Tennessee with my full band it's gonna be really cool part of new faces night probably gonna go on around 8 eight thirty 30 um and then uh December 1st I'm playing at Cafe Mackay with a couple of friends Dylan and Elizabeth um both awesome people and then December 5th I'm playing at the Bowery Vault Going to play on the Monday night songwriter round. My friend Matt Swayze and a couple of other awesome people, uh, Liam Bauman. I think his name is forget. Um, and then that's going to be eight PM. And then December seventh, I'm playing uh, the Listening Room in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. Super stoked about that. On um, and uh, yeah, it's it's just been cool. You know, it's been kind of emotional. Uh, I'm a bit of a. I've been a bit of an emotional wreck, but I'm. I, I'm going to get my act together and be a functioning member of society. I miss the cat like hell. I miss Ellie a lot, um, but uh, my one of my aforementioned friends is, is watching over her and keeping her company, so that feels nice. And um, I'm currently guitarless. I do have a little classical guitar um, that I have to change the strings, so I'm going to do that, figure it out, and then play a song for myself. I'm sorry I didn't play you a song, Go listen to Sara Lee. Um, go go find a weird song that, uh, that, you know. Go find some weird shit uh, that I've put out on YouTube. Go see whatever the weird. There's some weird stuff out there. There's some stuff from a while ago. I think the weirdest thing probably is Ghost of Britney Spears. God, that's a weird one. Um, I don't know what else is out there on the YouTube. There's got to be some Keep Calm and Carry On. Um, what words can't tell you. Yeah. Some songs that will probably come out in the future that will sound way better than the current demos that are online, but there's something cool about those old scrappy demos. Um, what else is on YouTube that I am mostly ashamed of? Um, I played, let's see, I played the city winery like downstairs in the wine cellar. Uh, that's probably okay. That's like all apartment 16 songs. So that's probably not awful. Um, cruel Intentions doing that for Westie Sessions out in California in front of a, in front of an of uh, an extinct ancient volcano in front of a little camper van. Um, you can see Kate and I roasting some s'mores in that video. That's really cool. Um, yeah, that's Cruel Intentions. Um, super proud of the Sarah Lee music video. showed it showed it to my my dad. Seen it. He sent it to all his farmer friends, which is awesome. Uh, watched my mom watching it. That was pretty wild. It was a very unique experience. Um, yeah, let's see. Any other weird stuff on YouTube that I've put out that I am both proud of and ashamed of? A lot of it, by the way, I've deleted. Like, a lot of it. Um, but there's some stuff out there. Um, don't Love Anybody lyric video. That's that's all right. January Eyes lyric video. Some people haven't seen that. I forget. I was like, quite a few. Probably most the most views of anything I've done. Like, 7,000 views. But... Um, if you haven't seen that, oh my god, January Eyes uh, lyric video—it's my favorite lyric video ever, and I'm not even a lyric video fan, but super special. Um, really excited for the next music video that I'm going to make with um, uh, someone I've mentioned on the podcast already. So yeah, just super cool. Feeling a lot of love from just friends and community, and uh, mostly for you guys for listening. I appreciate it. It's so much fun. Sorry there was no guitar. Sorry there was no songs but uh, maybe it was a welcome break from uh, from my whining and dining and my wheeling and dealing. So uh, I love you guys a lot for listening. Happy Thanksgiving. Uh, happy Turkey Day. You know, uh, use use the day as an excuse to love and connect with family. You don't have to be so cynical about the past, but if you are, turn that into something good. Um you know, don't just don't just be cynical about the past and then do nothing because that's just uh, that's kind of a waste of time. It's a waste of energy and it's a waste of uh, an opportunity to become closer to the people around you, to your loved ones, to your family, to your community. Um, and uh, I'm grateful for all of those things that we all share together. And um, I'll talk to you next week. Um, hopefully, yeah, I'll probably just do another podcast from here that we'll put out next Monday but I'm sorry this one's late it's probably going to come out to, I'm doing this Tuesday which is already late but the Wi-Fi is kind of wonky in the farmhouse here so it's going to come out Wednesday um, but happy Thanksgiving I love you guys thanks for listening and uh, yeah just just enjoy, enjoy the cranberry sauce okay that's it just enjoy the cranberry sauce bye bye <laughs>